This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Hydroflask, maker of beautifully designed insulated bottles, cups, and coolers, and a company that believes that every adventure starts with two simple words. Let's go. And we are going to do an awesome, awesome hike today. That's Myrna Valerio, ultra runner, adventurer, and advocate for increasing diversity and body positivity in the outdoors. I like to lay out my clothing the night before I go out on a hike to make sure that everything is ready so that I'm not rushing in the morning and so that I have more time on the actual trail. As Myrna knows well, every successful outing begins with being prepared for whatever the trail has in store. What I do is I make sure, first of all, that I don't have any cotton on, um, including my underwear. (laughs) I always bring with me a rain jacket that will keep me dry. I always carry my phone with me and my phone is always, always charged. And last but not least, I have always two water bottles on me, it will assure me that I always have something to drink. (laughs) Hydroflask wants you to get out there and enjoy yourself, just like Myrna, which is why all of their water bottles, cups, and coolers are designed to keep their contents at the perfect temperature all day long, whether you're in the mountains, at the beach, or just in your backyard. Shop for yourself or the outdoor lovers on your list this holiday season at hydroflask.com. From Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. My name is Debbie Kamal Bell. I'm a stand-up comedian and host and executive producer of CNN's United Shades of America. Outside Magazine is sort of a not the place you would automatically expect me to be. This is true. If you haven't watched Kamal Bell's long-running CNN show, United Shades of America... It really isn't something you'd think would be covered by Outside Magazine. Now in its sixth season, the Emmy Award-winning series has Kamau traveling across the country to engage his fellow citizens on a range of provocative topics. From the way we treat our military veterans, to defunding the police, to the injustice of techno-racism. Welcome to your digital world. Looks like if I live here, I'm single. I got some tech money because there's a lot of space. Oh, my hand. Oh, I got a white hand. And yet there was W. Kamau Bell on the cover of Outside Magazine's September-October print edition. It's the latest version of our annual Best Towns issue, which for decades has been a guaranteed hit with our readers. Because people are always dreaming about living somewhere else. And if you're an outside type, that somewhere has meant a place with access to exceptional adventure playgrounds. Plus, a vibrant outdoor community so you'll have lots of friends to play with. But in recent years, our readers have been hungry for something else in their dream towns. Big stuff, like affordable homes, investment in public transportation and green initiatives, and a diverse population that has equitable access to parks and open spaces. Which is why, if you page through this year's Best Towns issue, you won't read about exclusive mountain hamlets where people are buying second homes for millions of dollars. Instead, you'll learn how Atlanta, Georgia, is creating parks and bike lanes as part of one of the most ambitious commitments to open space in the country. Or why Albuquerque, New Mexico, is getting underserved youth into nature with the help from the state's Outdoor Equity Fund. 
It was in this context that we wanted to speak with Kamau for the magazine and also feature him in this episode, which marks the start of a new series for the Outside podcast that we're calling Forces of Good. Between now and the end of the year, we'll be profiling people who saw an opportunity to bring about positive change in the world and then acted on it. Over the last six years of filming United Shades, Kamau has explored dozens of American cities to learn about the different challenges we face and also show us how we can begin to talk to one another. I think what Kamau is doing with United Shades is special. He's left the glare and polish and glow of a studio to go into the country. You know, people say a lot, like, we should meet people where they are. He literally meets people where they are, you know, out back of a barn, at a rally, at a police department, in the countryside, in the city. This is Baratunde Thurston, a writer, activist, and comedian whose many ventures include a podcast called How to Citizen, a show that, as he describes it, reimagines citizen as a verb and helps us reclaim our collective power. Lately, he's also been filming a series for PBS called America Outdoors, which is scheduled to launch next year. As Baratunde points out, Kamau's ambitious approach to engaging people who might see things very differently than he does comes with some risk. But what helps balance some of that risk is he's a comedian. And so he also knows how to set people at ease and loosen them up and open them up and and use that power of comedy to create a shared space that we can all enter. When we decided to interview Kamau, we asked Baratunde to lead the conversation. The two men first met more than a decade ago. I was worried that I might be matched up with somebody who didn't understand who I was or just like, do you still wear those uh, shoes that are just toes? (laughs) So glad to know that we're not having that conversation. Yeah, I was not going to ask him what his favorite brand of carabiner is, for example. And, And look, like Kamau said, he's not your typical outside magazine personality. But the years he spent talking to people all over the country have given him a deep understanding of the divisions we face right now. I remember thinking and sharing with him that one of the challenges we face in this country, in the U.S., is that we we won't necessarily exist. It's like a dramatic point to make, but I think we we live by faith and assumption. Like, well, because we've always been here, we're going to keep being here. And there's like no law of physics or or science or spirit that guarantees our existence. We We have to work at it. And Kamal's very clear about just how high the stakes are at this moment. I mean, I think we are really at like a serious crossroads in history for this country. Right before we got on this, I was like, what year did the Berlin Wall go up? <laughs> like, you know, like, and I think that like we're all we're in a place of like not one Berlin Wall, but but like several Berlin Walls going up in every city. You know, like I think that we are much closer to Hunger Games than we realized. Like, I think that there's a sense of like that the divides that exist now, unless we really, as a, as, as less a, a certain percentage of us really go, all right, we're going to make it our purpose to try to figure this out in a way that actually helps some of those people who are on the other side and doesn't drive them away. If things keep sort of drifting in the direction they are, then I think it just gets, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> I think about there's like in New York, you can literally go to the building where Studio 54 was, and it still says Studio 54 on it, but it ain't Studio 54. 
I feel like America could be that. Like, it'll still be called the United States of America. And people will be like, remember back in the day when we all used to do cocaine there? (laughs) (laughs) Michael Jackson used to come all the time. Uh, But it's not. But I think it will qualitatively feel different. I think we're that's where I think we're headed unless there's like a real like brave, committed movement to like, okay, we have to really like stand up and, and really address this. So Kamau's making jokes there, but but that's a pretty dark take uh, on the state of things. He's citing the uh, Berlin Wall and the Hunger Games. Kamau keeps it real. I mean, this is dark, but it's also honest. And you can be both. You can be dark and honest and still a force for good and try to help us see each other across that proverbial wall. And what he's doing is so bold because in his show he's taking on some of the biggest gaps racism white supremacy police brutality immigration he's so provocative in service of trying to help us see each other so i really wanted to know okay what's your ulterior agenda here dude like be real with me bro what are you going for i'm trying to promote the same agenda sesame street trying to promote we should be we should be smarter kinder <laughs> more cooperative uh we should we should notice the people in our neighborhood <laughs> we should be okay with with who with the who, one who doesn't look like somebody we expect in our neighborhood where does the outdoors come into this for Kamau i mean outside magazine we wanted to hear his take on how we can expand our communities so that they're more inclusive and equitable because the ultimate goal here is to create the kinds of outdoor oriented towns and cities where we really want to live. So how does Kamau relate to the outdoors? Yeah, he would be the first to say he's not an outdoors kind of a person. Uh, He lives in Oakland, California with his family, so he does have access to some of those beautiful places in the Bay. But he's honest about it. He's he's more at home on a couch than on a bike. Uh, Still, like a lot of us, he did develop an early relationship with the outdoors as a kid. I mean, when I think about the outdoor version of my childhood, I think about the the summers I spent in Mobile, Alabama, because that was like my grandmother's house. And at some point you were just supposed to go outside like that. You just had like you had been inside long enough and it was just just go <laughs> like there, there wasn't really an activity set up for you. It was just like, just go and come back when you're hungry or it's dark, you know, like it's just and so a lot of my time in Alabama, I think about like, like, you know, my, my grandmother, my grandmother's backyard and like, you know, and just sort of digging in the dirt as a kid, like, cause that was all there was to do outside <laughs> at that point. And just like, and also just like getting into like random, like sort of little rascals adventures with, with this kids in the neighborhood, like, you know, like not anything of any significance, buying fireworks from an old lady's house where now I look back and go, what were we doing? <laughs> like, you know? Playing, literally playing in the ditch next to the train tracks, you know, like really some like old school, Mobile is not rural, but compared to where I live now and compared to what you think of when you think of urban, it was rural, you know. So summers in Alabama are one part of Kamau's experience. He also spent a lot of his childhood in Boston, and then he later went to college in Philadelphia before leaving to become a comedian. But how do you go from getting into comedy and entertainment to creating a show like United Shades of America, which is like this really ambitious investigation of society. You know, it's not that big of a leap because Kamau's always been handling uh, what I think of as hazardous material. 
Uh, he did his one-man show way back in 2007 called The W. Kamau Bell Curve, ending racism in about an hour. And he's, he's dealing with affirmative action, the, the whole bell curve controversy for people who might remember that, um, and race relations in America, which is never easy because it's race relations in America. And then he later did this Showtime stand-up special called The Semi-Prominent Negro. Conversations we have to have because racism is just, you know, it's bad right now. We have to have all these people of color. We have to have all these conversations. And unfortunately, we have to have them with white people. One of the things I've learned working in, in the storytelling business, in, in this business called show, is that the process can change you, especially when you're doing the nonfiction storytelling stuff, which involves a lot of story listening. Like you're out in the world with real people. And that's definitely happened to Kamau. I mean, I don't think anything's changed him more than his work on United Shades. I just said this the other day and I was like, I was like, is, I, can I say this out loud? So I'm going to say it out loud again, but this is a more public forum. United Shades of America has radicalized me, <laughs> which I think is hilarious because I don't think that was anybody's intention. So, I mean, I think about this. The first season of the show, we did an episode about policing in America that was that I was literally like, I don't know if I did. I was in police cars, hanging out with police, going to like a police center where they train police, going to the recruiting, like talking to recruits, doing like some level of calisthenics that I had an asthma attack and had to stop and got mad at a producer. Um, you know, like walking the beat with police, you know, going to dinner at a policeman's house. And then last year we did an episode that despite what it was called, it was basically an episode explaining what defund the police was and why I thought it was a good idea. So seeing the response to things and sometimes being like, you know, people got a good point. That might not have been the best, da, 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 da. you know, like in sort of like, and sometimes like, oh, I don't, I didn't say it right. I need to be clearer next time. And because the show is so much about race and racism, there's always a next time to sort of go. So like literally the first episode of season one is I hang out with the, with the Ku Klux Klan. I thought that was just crazy. I remember watching when his show premiered and seeing the teaser and then seeing the episode. And I was thinking then, and I'm still thinking now, hell no. I still can't believe he did that. You know, it's just like very much a guy who was like, Figuring out what this show is, how to be on TV, how to put his voice in the show, try how to navigate the people who don't have the same agenda as him in the show. And then by season five, the first episode is basically a sequel. It's called What Do We Do With White Supremacy? <laughs> you know, uh, that is basically like in my mind, and I said in the show, is a sequel to that. Like the first time I was like, look at these clans members. Wow, they really believe these things. And by season five, we're in Pittsburgh. And it's not a, you know, there are certainly clan members in Pittsburgh, but it's not like a clan city. It's more about like the strip. I don't know, Baratuni, can I explain to you what structural racism is? So I'm explaining, so I'm like doing explainers of structural racism and, and structural white supremacy and institutional racism. And we're talking about how the media in Pittsburgh specifically at the highest end is most, is overwhelmingly white, even though the, it doesn't reflect the blackness of the city and like all these things that we're talking about that are not like about the KKK. And instead of talking to the Klan, we talked to ex-Klan members. Like, how did you get out? What got, what was the deal? So, so for me, it was a way to go to, to basically, I, I know I'm, you're watching the show. I'm watching the show. I'm watching you watch the show. I'm also paying attention to the world and sort of go, the world isn't, it would be silly for me to try to go do, go meet with the Klan again. And I, and that idea has certainly been pitched on some level every season. I have tried many times to get shows on television. So believe me when I say it's a big deal for Kamau to have a show on television. But what's even more impressive 
They, he has a show that's still on television. The United Shades is still going after years. And it's so different from anything else you could find on CNN. Really, anywhere else on television, they keep bringing it back. He keeps winning Emmys. He's having a great run. And it's something he's very aware of. You know, when the when United Shades was first pitched to me, it wasn't called United Shades. It was called Black Man, White America. And the idea was that I would go to white places every week. First of all, there's no way you get to six seasons on that show. And it would be not like now when people see me coming, generally it's like, hey, Kamau's here. It'd be like, oh, it'd be white people like, here comes this black guy making fun of us. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know. And I was like, I can't do that. Like, I can't do something that I'm not, I don't believe in. I would only do it if we did if I got to see lots of different people and to the credit of the guy who came up with the idea, he was like, that's a better idea. And he ran, he renamed it United Shades of America. But the idea being that like, I was that it was just like, there's more stories to tell when you automatically are looking for people whose stories haven't been told in this country. That's just, it's just, it's math. I mean, if you sort of were to go, everybody who wants to be in show business, everybody who gets in some level of show business, everybody who has a successful project, I'm in the Showbiz Hall of Fame just by virtue of six seasons of a TV show and three Emmys. I mean, like, you know, I'm not, the, I'm not in the, I'm not at the door. Like, there's other people at the door. I don't have my own wing, but I am on a plaque somewhere in the Showbiz Hall of Fame. Just by virtue of the fact that it is, like, you know, for six, uh, six seasons of a show. I mean, it's cable, it's, it's cable news. It ain't friends, but still. We'll be right back. At the top of the episode, ultra runner Myrna Valerio told us what she packs for an adventure. The right gear, snacks, and two Hydroflask water bottles. There are only about three things that you have to worry about. Good shoes, good clothes, food and drink. And last, but certainly not least, you have to have a map. Actually, that's four. <laughs> Once you're out on the trail, Myrna suggests that you keep a few rules in mind. The first and probably most important rule is do not litter. And if you do see litter, pick it up, put it in your bag, put it in your pocket, and dispose of it when you get back home. Another important rule of the trail is to let faster hikers pass you by. Don't be a f***ing trail hog. <laughs> but Myrna's most important rule is that everybody belongs outside. One of the biggest misconceptions about hiking or any other outdoor activity is that you have to be in a specific kind of body. But guess what? That's a lie. You can be in any body. Hydroflask has partnered with Myrna and other inspiring outdoor professionals on a new video series called How We Go that has them sharing tips to help people of all skill levels get more out of their favorite outdoor activities. Get outside. That's all you got to do. Get outside. Don't listen to what other people have to say. Don't listen to those negative voices in your own head. Get outside. To watch episodes of How We Go on everything from mountain biking and yoga to fly fishing and bouldering, follow Hydroflask on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. I'm Myrna Valerio, and this is How I Go. In October of 2020, W. Kamau Bell and the team from United Shades of America began working on new episodes for the first time since the pandemic started. At this point, there were no vaccines and COVID was about to spike across the country in a massive and deadly wave. Given that the show is built around Kamau having meaningful in-person conversations with people he has just met, this was an extremely difficult time to be filming. And for Kamau, 
it was downright scary. If it had been totally left up to me, I wouldn't have gone out to film. Now, it's of course it's left up to me on some level. I can say I'm not going. But it was also like, there's this weird part about the momentum of the show is, I just was like, there's no way we're going to film because COVID is still out there. And at some point it was clear like, oh, we're going to, there's a, they, they, they think we're going to film. Now I give everybody credit, CNN, ZPZ. Like there was a super clear, like how we're going to keep this as safe as possible. But to be quite frank, I'm a black guy with all the comorbidities, including being a black guy. So like, I was just like, this is like, it was scary. It was absolutely like, is this important enough to die for? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, is this is this important enough to take that chance? I mean, is anybody, you know, I don't even know if I would trend if I died from COVID shooting this show. But like, you know, I get just like, there was this real, like, it felt scary. Like the very first episode, so kids aren't back at school for the most part. There's no even like everybody's Zooming. So that was the other part. I had to leave my kids. My youngest kid was six. Oldest kid was uh, nine. And they were like, we aren't allowed to go to school three blocks away. But you're getting on a plane. So the very first episode, we I was like afraid. To, I was afraid to get on planes. I was like really nervous about it. So. We had like a, they rented, CNN rented me a tour bus and I took a tour bus from Southern California to Portland where we shot our episode. The first episode of the season was about protest in Portland, Black Lives Matter protests in Portland. And I slept on a tour bus in downtown Portland for a week because I was afraid to go into the hotel where the crew was staying. And, you know, it's like it sounds romantic to sleep on a tour bus. But I think it sounds romantic when you're on the tour bus with the Rolling Stones. But I was <laughs> I was on the tour bus by myself, like, you know, sleeping on a bed that is like, hey, it's fine. It, you know, like just like waking up every morning to the sounds of people outside the tour bus walking past. You know what I mean? And then like walking out of the like getting out of the tour bus in the morning to people like there's a guy in there. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> Wait, there's somebody in there at seven in the morning. And then. The thing that you're sort of aware of at that point, things weren't open. Like, things were, like, still, like, Yelp says this rest, this smoothie place is open. The smoothie place is clearly not open. All right, let me go to the next place. The, like, because everybody was still COVIDing and, and sheltering and and everybody did. Surprise, people didn't think to update their Yelp listing as they were afraid they were going to die. So, like, it was just super, like, just hard to even, like, get, like, sort of how to how to sort of just get through your day. Because you didn't know what was open, where who was going to be there. And then there's just all the, like, we shot 99% of the show outside this season, which is unusual. I mean, we often would shoot outside, but you don't really generally want to shoot outside, the whole show outside, because you can't control the sun. It could rain. But we shot the whole show outside at, like, at social distance. So there's so the intimacy of the show, like, sort of the the natural intimacy of being next to each other is gone. And then when I meet people... There was sort of this whole thing where, like, the show has featured me hugging across America. That's all gone. And that might not come back, <laughs> to be quite honest. You know, when you work on TV and your job is to leave home, right? You get to travel, you get to interview people and, and talk about their lives. You get a very different perspective on what's going on in the world than you might through watching TV or, or watching any screen, especially your social media screen. And I remember when we started filming America Outdoors for PBS I was back in May, and I was so excited to get out of my house, like to go beyond my backyard and like the one-mile safety radius I had drawn uh, around the house. 
And it was good for me to, to be able to reconnect with nature and, and touch these parts of myself that I had let lay dormant. So I love the opportunity to get out there and mix and mingle in America, but also, whoo, I got to mix and mingle with America, you know, and, and we're different. And uh, the way people are showing up for this pandemic has been different. And I remember the first time I went inside and people weren't wearing masks. I, I was in North Carolina. I, I won't forget this for the rest of my life. I was the only one with a mask. And I'm like, am I doing something wrong? It was like a record scratch moment where you're just like, everybody stops and looks at you. And, you know, Kamau told me a, a related story that comes through in the same way about how the pandemic uh, has pulled us apart from each other in some ways. I mean, I think the thing that is happening now where people are really starting to be clear that like COVID has divided this country like along political lines. I saw that in the fall. Like, in, you know, and I think we knew some of that, but just like, like just the ways in which people treat, like, you know, cause we were in, I'm in, I'm living in the Bay area. So it's like a liberal bubble, but like, so we were in, we did an episode in South Carolina and it was like, you know, Columbia, South Carolina, which is not a bright blue spot. I mean, if it, if it is a democratic state, it isn't as bright blue as Oakland. We went to a restaurant to order food and we didn't even think to say to go. <laughs> like we didn't even like it just didn't even, like like we don't need to say that and they set it down on the table and we're like here you go and we're like no 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 to go and they started there was this vibe that we talked about the woman looked just like oh you're one of those you know like you, know, you just sort of felt like like <laughs> oh you don't you don't have it to sit here and be with the, oh you're for you know and so like you just really see that like we are very much this is splitting us this is splitting us as a country and and i can't blame i it's sort of hard it's hard to it's hard to blame those individuals it's this is a systemic problem when outside magazine publishes a best towns issue we are feeding into the dream that so many of us have of starting over of landing in a place that provides the things we really want in life and that lets us escape the things that we don't. But in the last year and a half, most of us have been far more focused on the escape. This includes Kamau. I spent a lot of time during the uh, pandemic and still, but like actually like looking for other countries to live in just because it made me feel better. It just made me feel like, it just made me feel like there were other options. Whew, I feel that. But it's not just the pandemic we've been wanting to escape. Climate change is an even bigger factor and in some ways related to the pandemic. I mean, there are times when I have looked at the map for a climate safe place to live. I'm like, is it, is it up north? Is it down south? Is it, is it New Zealand where Peter Thiel's trying to kick it? What, what, where's the place that I should go? And I've just had to admit that there's nowhere to go that's perfectly safe and that everybody's going through some version of this. You know, Kamau and I both live in California. And for people like us who live anywhere in the West, that thing we're trying to run away from in terms of climate is the air. You know, it's the lack of rain. It's the drought and these fires. And uh, he talks about this in some really personal terms. Here in, in Oakland, like we weren't close to the fires per se. We were hundreds of miles away. But you, I had the air quality app and the air was purple. I feel like only people in Northern California 
know that day in the middle of the pandemic where you're like, I'm, I've, it's deep into the pandemic where you're like, I don't know how I can do this. I'm sheltering in place. There's no vaccine. And we woke up, looked out our windows, and instead of seeing the blue sky and the sun, it was red. That day changed me forever. Like, I think like that, it, and I think anybody who lived through it, because you're like, it's already harder than it I can deal with. I'm already several months into, I can't believe how hard this life is. Even if I have a level of privilege, I can't believe how hard, because it's like, I can't. And then, oh, now the sky's red. And I still had work to do. So I was like sitting here on my computer, Zooms and CNN and COVID counts. And every now and again, I would just look and be like, it'd be like 1030 in the morning. Yep. Still red. Da, 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 CNN blue, you know, 430. Yep. Still bright red. And then like, just like, this is, is this forever? Is this what it is? The, the hardest thing for me during the pandemic wasn't restaurants. It wasn't travel. It wasn't, uh, certainly wasn't the VIP room at the club that I don't want to go to. It was playgrounds being shut down. I didn't realize how much the playground was like the coffee shop for kids. I just need to go check in. <laughs> like, I just need to go, like, I need to go hang out for a minute. There's no substitute for it. There's no, because even if you have the kind of privilege where you can build the playground out to your house outside, it's not about the, it's not just about the physical structure. Seeing how this affects my kids and how my kids, like, ask, quite, like, sort of are used to the fact that, like, I, there was nothing I could compare us leaving the house for when the when the air is too hard to breathe. I don't have that experience from childhood. I don't have so I so my kids sometimes they ask questions and I'm like, yeah, I don't have I can't actually I don't have anything to come. How long is this gonna last? I have no idea. So Baratunde, you know, the whole intention behind what Outside Magazine did with our best towns issue this year was to upend our usual way of judging where we want to live. Instead of focusing on the places just with access to amazing outdoor spots, we wanted to highlight the communities that are striving to make the outdoors more inclusive and more sustainable. That's why we wanted you to interview Kamau for our cover story. But what I want to know is what you and Kamau think about that. And what do you think about this effort? Like, what's your advice for media outlets like Outside that have historically done a poor job of accounting for race and inequality in our storytelling and and now are trying to move in the right direction. What are we supposed to do? Mike, man, my my full answer to that question is a book or 10. There's so much to get into to try to address that. But what, what I'll say is this. I think there's a combination required here uh, of us moving through the fear and shame that an honest accounting of our history might generate. You know, there's, there's such a discussion now about what kind of history do we teach and are we trying to shame America? And, and I don't see it that way. I see it as trying to love America, trying to know America, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which any healthy, loving relationship involves a deep knowing. So let's know our country and love her, not in spite of those frailties and failures, but because of them. I, I also want to see us committing to using the power we have for some collective uh, and not just individual benefit. And when I asked Kamal this question, he his answer was, you got to go for it. You got to commit all the way. And the key is, especially when it's not working out the way you want, you know, especially when you mess up. The big thing is like, you have to accept the fact, like people are always afraid of like, what if I get it wrong? Oh, you're going to get it wrong. And then you have to be willing to not to, to clean up your mistakes and to and to admit your mistakes and to not equivocate in an apology and show people because you're only going to show people that you have changed over time. 
So if Outside Magazine hires one person to write one article and that one person is from a perspective that's never been an Outside Magazine, everybody claps and they tweet it out. And then that person never gets another article in Outside Magazine. And also more people like that person don't get articles in. Then you're full of shit. So... I'm like when they asked me if do you want to when I got the thing about do you want to be on the cover I'm like this is going to be the lowest selling issue of Outside Magazine ever and as like and that's going to ref- and then they're going to like oh we shouldn't have done that don't ever do that again <laughs> like don't ever <laughs> so I mean so I, I hope I would imagine that because I'm not the typical Outside Magazine person I'm not even in my life known as an outside person you know what I mean so if some executive or some accountant goes well look this sold X and normally we sell X plus three so th- we can't do this again. And then who's, whose fault is that? Is that mine? Is that the person who greenlit this? Or is it an indicator that like, oh, we need to keep working on this and educate our audience and figure out how to expand and how to sort of make this work? You have to keep raising the stakes of your commitment to this new day. W. Kamau Bell is on the cover of Outside Magazine's September-October print edition. He was interviewed for that story in this episode by Baratunde Thurston. You can learn more about Kamau on his website, wkamaubell.com. His show, United Shades of America, is on CNN. Baratunde's podcast is How to Citizen, and he just launched a new season. His upcoming PBS television series, America Outdoors, will begin airing next year. My name is Michael Roberts. I produced this episode. Our music is by Robbie Carver. This episode was brought to you by Hydroflask, maker of beautifully designed insulated bottles, cups, and coolers, and a company that believes every adventure starts with two simple words. Let's go. Shop Hydroflask products for yourself or the outdoor lovers on your holiday list this season at hydroflask.com. The Outside Podcast is made possible by the support of our Outside Plus members. Learn more and join at outsideonline.com slash outsideplus. Outside Podcast listeners get 25% off an Outside Plus membership with the coupon code OUTSIDEPOD. That's OUTSIDEPOD, all lowercase.